Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's edition of the About to Review podcast. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. You can find the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at About to Review. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, anywhere you can find podcasts. You can also go on YouTube, search for About to Review to look for the About to Interview sections, which land on Fridays. Also, if you want to support the show, which would be great, go to the website abouttreeview.com, click on the support tab, and throw in a dollar. On this week's episode, returning guest after (laughs) quite the absence is a good friend, Ryan File. The last time you heard him was way back on episode 23. Welcome back to the show, Ryan. Hey, John. Good to be back. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now it is episode 72, so it has been a man, bit of an absence. <laughs> you're you're a staple now, man. You're a household name. This is exciting. Uh, sure. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> Depends on what household and what name they're calling me. <laughs> well, in my household, anyway. Oh, well, fair enough. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, so the reason I asked Ryan File to join me on this episode is based on, well, not only is he a great friend and a great person, but... Oh, man. Uh, Other than that, on the last time uh, he was on, we talked about good, bad, and ugly book-to-movie adaptations. So, today's episode, we are going to be talking about the new movie in theaters now, which is called It by Stephen King, or originally written by Stephen King. Lazy title, in my opinion. Right. Uh, (laughs) And then we're also going to go over our first Stephen King adaptation experience, our best Stephen King adaptation experience, and our worst Stephen King adaptation experience. Excellent. So before we go down that creepy, creepy tunnel of Stephen Kingness, I wanted to lighten the mood with a little jingle called the theme song. All right. Well, now that the theme song has brightened the mood, a little bit. I feel uh, really happy. <laughs> right. Uh, so we're going to first introduce uh, the... Oh, actually, wait, no. Before we go into that, I forget. Even though I take notes and I do a show synopsis, Aye. I need. I feel like I need it on like a big projector in front of me. Be like, hey, dummy, remember to say this, this, and this. We got to get you a floor director, ultimately. Ooh. Well. And a script supervisor. <laughs> Chris- Christmas is coming, I'm just saying. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty amazing. Well, what's funny is I did want to get like one of those big whiteboards, <laughs> but then I remember one of the walls in the studio is glass, so I'm like, or I could just get a dry erase marker and use that. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so we will see. We will see what happens. All right. Uh, but before we go into the original movie and then the new movie of it, I wanted to go over the new reviews excuse me new reviews on itunes and stitcher i normally do this on the first episode of the new month but uh, i kind of forgot to do it last episode because steve and i were going to pax and six there's a bunch of craziness so i apologize for that (laughs) um and also if you want to have your review read aloud then head on over to either Stitcher or iTunes, leave a five-star review, and then it will be read aloud. So, starting on iTunes, there are two new reviews. 
the first one is titled "As Cool as the Other Side of the Pillow." Whoa! Uh, by M W M Ward Five, uh, and it says, uh, "Oh, this is a long one. I have to click the more uh, section." It says, "About to review, hosted by that guy named John, is a podcast that locks you in, makes time seem irrelevant, and then, when finished." slows you to go about the rest of your day, night, or weekend a little bit smarter, a little bit brighter, and a little bit better person. The knowledge is without question, eh, I question myself sometimes, but thank you, uh, the research impeccable, but the conversations are worth every minute. Focusing on so many different areas on the pop culture landscape, John and his awesome panel of guests and fellow reviewers break down each thing they discuss effortlessly (laughs) and make this podcast literally as cool as the other side of the pillow. You simply don't want the good feelings to end anytime soon. John, his podcast, his team, all the stars. Man, that's really nice. That was, I, I mean, I read these out loud because I think it is important that people know that I do pay attention and listen, but every time... I feel like almost embarrassed reading these things because I'm like, is it weird that I'm reading these things from people saying that I, yeah, it seems weird. I, but you know what? I, it you gotta you gotta do a little self love sometime, right? Just just like you know, I I'm worth it. The, the what's what's that? Uh, <laughs> Stuart Smiley. Stuart uh, Smiley. Yeah. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh darn it, people like me. You know what? Gosh darn it, people like you, John. Oh, thanks. Uh, (laughs) So I have one more on iTunes, another five stars. It says, a must listen for fans of stuff. Ooh, (laughs) very specific. Uh, By uh, Tybal Mom. And it says, seriously, John and his energetic band of weekly guests cover a breadth of topics, including cinema, video games, pop culture, etc. And the best part is they don't take themselves too seriously like your ordinary, outdated, snooty critics. Whoa. <laughs> um, when podcasts start popping up everywhere, in capitals, I never imagined wanting to listen to something that long. In this case, I was wrong. Not only are the topics and opinions informative and entertaining, they actually keep things moving along and engage. There's a gem or six in every episode. Fill your ears with this stuff. They'll thank you. Oh, my goodness. So... <laughs> I like, I like the, I must listen for fans of stuff. I know, it's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then let me just see. So and then just two quick ones that are on Stitcher. Uh, oh, and I need to figure it out. Oh, there we go. Uh, this one says, or the reviewer's name is Mario's Forgotten Brother. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure which one that is. Which one would that be? I don't even know, like. I was trying to think of a, a game that introduced one, but who knows? Anyway. Uh, we forgot, apparently. Uh, five stars. Great video game coverage. Uh, it says, Agree. N- n- thank you. Uh, <laughs> new listener and new subscriber. I just heard the video game episode covering six and packs and really enjoyed it. It feels like the guys are really invested in helping get some exposure to indie developers, which was nice to hear because it was different from some of the other packs coverage I saw. Keep up the great work. Very cool. Nice. Simple. To the point. Uh, That is something that I really try and do as much as possible is give some exposure to the little guys, to the indies, because I will always consider myself and this podcast one of the little guys. So, 
yeah, the fact that I have a platform to help people out, get their stuff out there, all about it. Awesome. Uh, and then the last one uh, by Nicole J, five stars. What a great episode. I enjoyed your coverage of six. It was a great review of some of the cool games I saw at the event, but couldn't play because I was demoing at our booth. I'll have to check out Death Squared. Their multiplayer puzzles look so cool. So thank you, Nicole. Uh, here's a little spoiler alert. I might be working with Nicole on a future episode. Uh, she works with a local VR studio here in Seattle. So I basically might just be able to go hang out and play some awesome video games and then get to talk about it. Man, that's the dream. Right? It is, it is pretty cool. So thank you again to everybody who left a review recently and also everyone who leaves a review in general. Like I said, it is incredibly humbling. It feels weird to talk about myself. Uh, but it is the same with like when I go back and listen to some episodes, just hearing myself talk. I'm like, man, this guy just keeps talking. <laughs> <laughs> so especially like talking about myself anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thank you to everybody who, who did that. Now, on to the, the part of the episode in which Ryan gets to talk about books. Oh, boy. Uh, because Ryan is just a, a huge, huge uh, devourer of books and has been since a very young age. You love reading. It is one of the things that you just you care deeply about. Uh, and not only do you love reading, uh, I mean, obviously, for those people who maybe have not listened to all of these episodes... Ryan is a journalist. He works for a newspaper, like a legitimate journalist. <laughs> um, and so you you get a chance to write a bunch of stuff as well. But I know how much you care about reading in and of itself. It's true. It's uh, it's one of my favorite things to do uh, when I have free time with, uh, you know, in between kiddo stuff and every <laughs> right? and everything else in life. And uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it quite a bit. It, I love it to death and uh stephen king is uh one of my favorite people i like to read so fantastic perfect it is you would think that i know my friends well enough to be like hmm i have an episode coming up about stephen king who should i call it's almost like you planned this i know weird (sighs) um so (laughs) how about you go into the giant book the 1100 page original story the chihuahua killer yeah (laughs) the chihuahua killer of of it okay happy to do it so this book is like you said it is a large large book and it is actually Mm -hmm. split into what i would consider two parts um focusing on this group of uh, uh seven people um and when they're children and when they are adults. Um, and it starts uh, with a particularly demented, horrific scene in which a uh, young lad named George Denborough is, uh, mm-hmm. he, his brother makes him a paper boat and seals it with paraffin. And George, uh, excuse me, Bill is uh, rather under the weather and says, you know, go outside and play with it, but be careful. Mm-hmm. I can't come with you because I have a cold or whatever. Georgie does this, and the boat goes down into a rain gutter. Um, mm-hmm. He looks down into it, and he sees a pair of glowing eyes, and eventually a uh, gent uh, dressed in a silver clown costume uh, who calls himself Pennywise and mm-hmm. he they have a little back and forth uh, he basically 
gets George to reach into the sewer to get his boat. And dumb, dumb children. <laughs> which is a bad move on Jordy's mm-hmm. part because he ends up getting his arm torn off and mm-hmm. bleeds to death right there. Like I said, it's a particularly horrific scene. The book then proceeds to introduce you to uh, other children who are a bit older than George. I'm going to say 11, 12 years old. And okay. just uh, kind of their particular vignettes. Um and they start off basically one by one, uh, showing them having these encounters with these horrific, uh, just these horrific visions, or mm-hmm. you might well call them walking daydreams. Just the, these these really bad things that that they see, and it all is tied together with this one central being, uh, Pennywise, who seems to be preying on them. Uh, getting to them with their through their greatest fears. Mm-hmm. Now, in the book, correct me if I am mistaken, but does it actually go into what those fears are of the children before they see them, or does it just kind of play out naturally? I honestly cannot remember. <laughs> you know, it's and it's been a while for me, too. Um, I, I want to say that it is one of those things that it's 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 definitely more show than tell. Um, gotcha. So, you know, you, you discover that Eddie, for example... Uh, who who is a hypochondriac um, because mm-hmm. of, because of his overbearing mother um, he is scared to death of um, this leper vision because right. he doesn't want to be touched by it because of disease and what have you <clears throat> uh, and then also uh, Richie Tozer for example uh, is very frightened by uh, the uh, Wolfman creature in, in in a movie that he just watched right. so he's terrorized right, right. by that etc 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 so ultimately. Okay. This group, through many different circumstances and avenues and just life itself, they find themselves joined together Um, and they sort of figure out that they all have been seeing the same horrible things. And Mm -hmm. they in one case, they're uh, one of the characters uh, that the only girl in the group sort of Mm -hmm. tests them like you guys can see this, right? And basically her bathroom is covered in blood. <clears throat> right. And you say, yeah, of course we can. And she said, I thought I was going crazy. Nobody else could see it. And it's sort of things like that where they're kind of like slowly just wanting to to test each other. And they mm-hmm. eventually they, they, they realize that they are all seeing these equally horrific things. And they all realize that this one uh, entity, this horrific predatory clown is at the center of it. So they proceed okay. on and um, they eventually more characters are thrown in there's there's a group of bullies led by a uh astute young man named henry bowers and Mm -hmm. a friend of his named belch and uh shocking uh, (laughs) yeah which at least in the and we'll talk about it in a bit but Mm. in the original movie which is the made for tv movie Mm -hmm. yeah he lives up to that name he just burps a lot right Yeah, yeah in disgusting ways in the new version I don't think he did that at he, all. He does which... it. He does it once. Once, okay. It, yeah, and it's it's and it's it's pretty quick too. But yeah, yeah. okay. So anyway, you, you, these uh, it's this this group of bullies that's out to get this group of friends who dub themselves the Losers Club, and mm-hmm. um, as circumstances wear on, they eventually uh, at least uh, two of them, maybe three of them uh, of of the the losers, they undergo this really odd ritual. 
where they make a sort of a, a smokehouse, if you will, hmm. and they uh, basically see this vision and understand what this horrific entity actually is. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, and 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 we can talk about this more later, just in terms of how that translated over into the movie and stuff. But it it's um it's it's a it's a bizarre scene, um, just because it's very introspective and it and it switches viewpoints quite a bit too. Hmm. Um, actually, the 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 book does this a lot. Like you'll be, he will be writing from a particular character's viewpoint, and then in mid sentence he will cut off, and it will go into somebody else's viewpoint. It's really, it's it's really, it's, it's kind of strange and it's a little, um, it's a little intimidating, I guess at first, because you're kind of like, oh, okay, now I'm here, but you get used to it after a time, I think. I mean, you have 1100 pages to get used to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, but, but ultimately you, you ultimately discover that this, this creature, um, is from, uh, another dimension as it were. Um, and Hmm. not, not to give too much away, but he has been, or well, it has been, uh, basically, uh, hanging out in uh, mm-hmm. in the sewers below Derry, and once every twenty seven years, he uh, it rises again to feed, and um, the the fear factor where it manifests as greatest fears for mm-hmm. the individual, um, it's sort of akin to uh, like spicing up your food, if you will. It just okay. It, it j- ultimately, the fear just makes his prey taste better. It's like a cat playing with a mouse before it eats it. Um, so yeah, mm. it's it's and so and and that wears on and and I, I've done a couple spoilers so far, but so I don't want to g- get too much further into the weeds. I mean, the but book came out in eighty six. Yeah, the book came out yeah. in eighty six. The mm. original movie came out in ninety four. Four, I want to say something yeah. like that. Uh, maybe it was actually earlier than that. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. So I, we will we will keep the spoilers to a minimum, mainly because there is a new movie out right now. True, true. So and and uh, so ultimately, it, the, the rest of the story is about them going up against this this entity because the idea in this town is that everybody is just kind of ignoring it. Because mm-hmm. it's because it's too horrific. It's too. It, it's. It, I mean, we kind of see it today with uh, with, with just the uh, um, with with apathy on a degree of issues, mm-hmm. right? Some things are just really, really hard to look in the face. And I would say that predatory being from another dimension would be an easy <laughs> would be a, a gimme sort of. Yeah. Well, when uh, the people in the town realize, you know, about every deck every two decades. A bunch of kids go missing. Should we look into that? Nah, no. it's nah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> and um, but and I think that that's why King wrote his main characters as a group of kids because there's a there's a certain purity to that mm-hmm. age group. You know, you get you get older. You, you get my age. You get you get cynicism and and logic and and uh, and uh, pessimism and and all of these kinds of things that that deter. Um, or delay doing what ultimately can be the best move, the right move, right? Because, mm-hmm. and, and, and there's fear and, and uh, paranoia and, you know, I'm just one one person, what can I do? Right. But with kids, it's a little bit different. You know, there's, there's mm-hmm. that optimism and naivete and uh, they, 
it's it's basically they band together to try and defeat this and then it flashes forward and this book goes back and forth between two time periods Mm -hmm. um also with journal entries and stuff like we said it's a magnum opus it's 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 a giant book and um there it also tells the story of when they're adults and when the creature returns if you will and what happens after that so um and the fact that it is as long as it is Mm -hmm. it's an intimidating read but i found that once i got to know these characters it had the same effect on me as say uh lord of the rings or harry potter or okay wow any any of these these really big wieldy stories where they're sort of slow burns um but you just you get to really care about these characters because mm-hmm. they're so well drawn and they're they're so flawed but they're so good at the same time um okay. and it just it reminds you of it reminds me uh you know frankly of people who i grew up with uh in, in a lot of cases um uh, stuff that I did when I was a kid, not mm-hmm. not, the, not the killing clowns thing, obviously, but right. you know, right. <laughs> riding around on bicycles and 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 teeping people's houses and just being stupid and and stuff like that. And it mm-hmm. it um he 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 draws these characters so well and and he gives them such credibility. And I think that was why it when it was done, it was like, oh, this is I'm I'm a little bummed out. This is uh this mm. was this was a good one, and I'm I don't want to really let it go. So so um, with with that all. Being said, like with with the book being such a huge thing and with, you know, when you read it, I mean, I would assume you read it after. So I looked it up. So the original made for TV movie was 1990. Correct. Did you see that before you read the book eventually? I, I did. Yeah. I uh, okay. and I and I this I, I was trying to rack my brain. I, I don't have details about when I first saw the original miniseries i wish i did because mm-hmm. i because i wish i could I, I wish i could tell you something you know i saw it at a at my you know w- with my dad and i just remember like not sleeping that night i don't remember mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff i i do remember wow. i do remember watching it um i do remember it scaring me a little bit here and there uh mm-hmm. just just because when it's it's the parts where pennywise gets the sharp teeth i think that's that's yeah. what that's what does it for me when he's just in the clown thing it's like you just you just look like you're drunk man come on but but when <laughs> right. but when the teeth sprout and the eyes go cat-like and mm-hmm. stuff that that was when it freaked me out a little bit um but yeah I, I did see it first and then i i read the book um after college okay. um and obviously it, it it being as long as it is it took it took me a good while i mean mm-hmm. and this is back when i was when i had time to read a lot um right and I, it still took me a while, not because it wasn't good, but because it just, it was so dense. It was dense. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I needed a lot of time to, to process through, through certain parts and not just the scary parts, but like the, the parts where, uh, there was this really major character development or, or shift of tone or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, yeah, it, it, it takes a while. It's, 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 um, it's a fine wine. You got to sip it. You can't just slam mm. it down like a Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sponsored by Coors Light. <laughs> <laughs> now back to you, John. And right. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I uh, but uh, I remember reading the book more um, than watching the miniseries because of the fact that it was so um, it, that it affected me so much. I, I remember being uh, more affected by the the book than the miniseries, uh, and and not because it it frightened me, but because it was just 
it felt like this um it almost felt like a love letter to 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 youth i guess and um and losing innocence and uh and just the the purity uh um of morals when when you're a child i guess as opposed to mm-hmm. adulthood when there's when there's a lot more factors that that come in uh, through experience and and uh, cynicism and stuff like that um yeah and and uh it is actually on probably my top it it is definitely in my top 10 all time um probably in my my top 5 too so wow yeah so okay that is it nice see i hope that was an okay synopsis (laughs) yeah (laughs) definitely with me i remember watching the original miniseries and yeah probably not right at 1990 maybe you know a little bit after that at a friend's sleepover oh boy terrible idea (laughs) how old were you oh man this is probably third grade oh boy yep that'll do it yep and it was just, this was the same friend mm-hmm. who he had two older brothers. And so they were the ones who could, you know, rent stuff, which is why I think it was a couple of years later. Cause I think we had it on VHS. So I think they had rented it. Um, same friend who I saw Leprechaun with <laughs> same friend, like the movies that again, my parents, they were keeping me 10 miles away from all of that. Mine too. But I go over to a friend's house who has two older brothers who can then rent you know, those. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember watching this at a sleepover and being terrified. Did you, So did you sleep or not uh, probably not? No, no. Okay. I mean, and this is one of those things where I talked about this on an episode last year around this time when Steve and I did a uh, horror villain showdown. That's one Halloween. of my favorite episodes that you guys have done. <laughs> uh, it, it was that that definitely is in my like top three. It was a blast. Um, but we talked about the psychological impact of some of these movie monsters, these movie villains. Mm-hmm. And with me, to this day, if I go into a bathroom and it has a white pedestal sink with the hot water on one side, the cold water on another one, and if the toilet and the shower are all lined up in a certain way, that movie, that original series immediately comes to mind. And I will leave that bathroom. Nope. Passing. Um, yep. Hard pass. I'll go somewhere else. So <laughs> it de- like it shook me bad when when I was a kid. Um, and I think and it was the bathroom it, scene, huh? Well, that was one of them. OK. And I, and I think part of it was also, you know, when you were a kid and especially if you were at a sleepover and you do not want to be the kid who like pulls the cover over their eyes. But you find a way to kind of look off screen a little bit. So it still looks like you are watching the movie, even though you are terrified. You're just not. Uh, So with me, I think that played more into it because there were scenes when I specifically would try and look away and, you know, not give it away that I was too scared to watch the movie, but look away. So then all I had was the sound. All I had, you know, so just... It made it even more scary than it needed to be. Because <laughs> your head's filling in the blanks at that point. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It just backfired horribly. Um, so with the original movie that we are talking about, came out in 1990. It was a, a miniseries. So it was like, I think it was over four nights. Because I think total, it was... It's like four hours long, isn't it? Yeah, total over four hours. So I think they did it in like maybe four one-hour chunks. I am not sure what the original release schedule was but something like that okay 
Um, and it takes, it takes the fundamental aspects of the book and, you know, correlates in the movie. Here is one thing, though. Um, Ryan and I both recently watched uh, the 1990 version again to kind of prepare ourselves for, for this new movie. To gear up, yep. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> this movie is rough. It's tough. Uh, and and I think part of it, and this is just part of the nature of the beast, this is the made-for-TV movie. Right. And this was made-for-TV 1990 movie. This is not, I mean, like, you can watch, or you could when it was still on, like, shows like Hannibal mm-hmm. that were, I remember watching the first episode of Hannibal when it came out, and I was like, they can do this on NBC? Like, what? Like, it was, I was just, it, they pushed those boundaries. 1990. Man, it was just so soft. I feel like this um, was about as high as they go. Oh, probably back then. Like, yeah. Because the scene, you know, in that original with the blood and the sink, like that was traumatic. And it happens in the first part and again in the second part mm-hmm. with the kid and the adult uh, with Beverly. So they, they, you could tell they pushed the envelope. But looking at it now from 2017... Uh, does not hold up at all. No, it does. But I feel like it's so stuck in the cultural consciousness, though. I feel like yeah. that was the, the the genesis of so many people being scared of clowns. Was yeah, that absolutely? I mean, I, I can actually, you know, point to I think of three people off the top of my head right now who have told me flat out, like the reason I'm scared of clowns is because of Tim Curry's portrayal of Pennywise in the mm-hmm. that miniseries, and it's just funny because it. You look at it now, and it's like, are are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Did we watch the same movie? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I get it to an extent, but are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so some of the things I I wrote down, um, Pennywise, as scary, <clears throat> as scary as he is, in moments, never does anything. Like he just pulls pranks. That's it. I mean, realistically. He, when he is in, well, I will not even go into his final form. I will, I will wait a little bit for that. But <laughs> that is the only time in which someone is actually in danger from him. Yeah. And and that, that what you just said is, is pretty interesting, is that he just screws with them. Yeah. It seems that is like. It. He, he's just kind of like, hey, uh, and, and tells a weird pun and then Ugh. starts yelling at them and... Maybe growls and that's it. But yeah, yeah. Ult- ultimately he's just he he's he's kind of a a jerk. That's that's about as far right. as it goes. And to make it even worse, through multiple parts of both parts of the movie, he tells them to leave. He tells them, "Hey, don't come around. Hey, you should leave." If I am in a scary movie, and a demon clown is like, "Hey, you should get out of here." Guess what I am doing? deuces bye see ya like in any other horror movie if freddy jason anybody is like you know don't come into town or i'm gonna get you okay bye sure so it, it, if i do not come to town you will not get me ever again i never need to worry about you because somehow and they never really explain it in the movies it messes with your memory so you do not even remember it happened okay he's, bye he's kind of polite about it you know it's like, right <laughs> you know i could eat you but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a mulligan on this. 
you should go. And and what do they do? They don't. Stay there. <laughs> like, what? In what universe does this movie take place where they have never seen a scary movie? Which, obviously, they have, because one of them is afraid of Wolfman. That's right. <laughs> like, okay, that would be like... Was it Eddie who was afraid of the Wolfman? Which one? No, Eddie was the leper. The leper. Uh, Richie was afraid of the Richie. Wolfman. Yeah. Okay. So, if that is Richie's fear, imagine if Wolfman Jack shows up, uh, not that Wolfman Jack, a different Wolfman Jack <laughs> shows up and is like, I'm coming to get you, Richie, but I won't get you if you just leave. Do you sure. really think Richie is going to, yeah, do you think <laughs> Richie is going to hang around? No, Richie is going to run away. Right. Right. So, that was just so bizarre. And again, those were aspects that I had completely forgotten about. I Because I remember the scene in the bathroom with all the blood. I remember the dinner scene where they start cracking open the fortune cookies and There's a blood is there. And dead baby crap. bird and an eyeball and yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I remember all of that and I tied it in to my memory of Pennywise when really not related at all. No. it, it And like I said and like I think we've touched on, he's just he's just a prankster. He, he's almost yeah. he's almost like uh um like like the, the ancient fairies of like uh Irish myth you know they just they, right. they, they pray they play pranks um as opposed to being a predatory actual demonic menace yeah he, he's kind of the guy that I mean he yeah he eats kids sure but he also <laughs> kind of is the guy who forks your lawn and and teepees your trees like yeah so, so yeah, it it um that was one in, I I got that same impression when I rewatched it uh, just two nights ago. Yeah, yeah, and in the history of giant alien spider crab movies, <laughs> um, <laughs> the CGI of this giant alien spider crab in the original is just awful who boy you know (laughs) have you seen okay have you seen jason and the argonauts like from the 60s yeah Yeah, that's what it reminds me of that original that original like (laughs) crawl up of the whatever you would call it 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 was like this is like a 1960s uh greek adventure movie or something well the difference with those ones uh the stop motion was done by ray harryhausen Mm -hmm. which was like he was a genius because again at that point nobody had ever done stuff like that right and so yeah looking back on it now you can pull it apart and everything but back then it blew your mind this it might just be another one of those filters i mean what like (laughs) it just well and it just happens too it like there's no there's no lead up to it it's just like oh does he does he ride on that oh it is it is Is he that yeah okay (laughs) Um, and, and and so again, this is a mild spoiler, but again, the book came out forever ago. You can watch an iteration of the movie. They might not, uh, I hope they do not do, well, actually they did not do this version of it in this movie. So it is not a spoiler. Right. In the original, when they fight this giant alien spider crab, um, at one point they literally just push it over. like, Like they, they push it over on its side and then just punch it. Well, (laughs) until they, like, rip its organs out or something. Which, that was even weird because it was like, (laughs) here you are just, like, your kids just punching this thing. And then it goes into a shadow, like, and then you see them, like, plunging their hands into the chest of this thing and ripping out its heart. Like, yeah, it's like, what? Overkill. (laughs) Right. I think you got it. I, I, 
that that was just so crazy to watch yeah these days mm-hmm. it is um and then and that was actually wait no that was the that was the adult versions yeah who, that was who when, did that that was when they were adults yep um and the the paralyzing nature in the end like in that second part when they're adults when he basically like shows them his tummy tum. oh it looks in the they, they look in the deadlights the deadlights yeah. which granted i'm always hashtag team dad joke I do like that one, <laughs> but it just like so he, they he, they look at his deadlights and they become a deer in deadlights, yeah, and they just freeze. But there is no reason to it. It is not like he is freezing them. If you were a spider, you bite the thing with venom, so you paralyze it, and then you wrap it up. Yep. These, okay, so now they are just standing there. What is the game plan? And that's what's like, that's also what's interesting about it too, because and when it actually does pick one of them up, mm-hmm. Eddie, um, right. it just kind of like holds him, right? You know, <laughs> it's just like, hey, how's it going? And you know, he's screaming and and and, and right. Um, and I I'm not gonna the 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 I will say the difference between that and what happens in the novel is. Mm-hmm quite different <laughs> okay um qu- quite a bit more graphic in the uh the latter so anyway but okay. uh and again they, they might do that in the next movie mm-hmm. uh, of the new version so you know we'll not get into that but yeah in this original one as he has him in the air you do not hear bones cracking you do not see blood coming out of his eyes like you just see him being held up in the air while everyone else is paralyzed like oh, what and then john uh-huh. Then comes the best part when Beverly shoots the stomach. <laughs> oh gosh! Oh man! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and we and again, we never knew that Silver heard it, and yet, we, like when they were kids, they're like, "We melted down this silver, and that's gonna take care." How? How do you know that? And, and they. And they explain it in the in the novel. I I, I forget the, the there's some complicated reasoning they come around to, but but there is some explanation with this. Yeah, it's just like here, I'm I made mm-hmm. these, and which again that takes one line of dialogue. All it needs is somebody, probably the nerd, yeah, which was uh, uh the one who was always in the library. I forget oh, which one that uh, was. Ben, yeah, Ben. All it takes is for him to be like, hey guys, I was reading. And maybe silver would work. In my research, I kept coming across silver. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Two sentences, and you're you're golden. You've got yeah. your explanation. And it's that, not like, then, and it's not like even a thing where you could make the argument that if you did that, it would be spoon feeding. You're not bringing no. it up at all. <laughs> it's just like you, you just suddenly know that this substance is going to kill it because you've seen it in movies, maybe. But yeah, I, I don't know. Ridiculous. <laughs> it's really, uh, what yeah. else do I have about this dumb movie? Um, <laughs> so uh, I wrote down, he rides off into the sunset uh, with his comatose girlfriend. Uh, one of the characters does. I will not spoil which one because, again, they might do something like this in the in the right. next yes. movie. Yes. So his girlfriend is comatose. He puts her on the front of his bike, bicycle, not motorbike bicycle and rides through town and suddenly she wakes up and they almost get hit by a bunch of cars (laughs) (laughs) right it just it makes no sense right and 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 we'll we'll go into this a little bit later i think too and or probably bring it up a couple more times the the thing that is really interesting to me about 
adapting Stephen King material to movies and TV is mm-hmm. that the, I, I feel like the reason that it's difficult to do the right way is because his style of writing is so introspective. Like mm. he, he goes into the minds of his characters very frequently and, and for lengthy periods of time. Okay. And just in terms of like them having a memory that affects the reason that they are one way or the other, or um, j- uh, just this long exposition of, of what they're feeling and thinking, okay. and they come up on an idea. But there's there's a ton of explanation, which you can do in a book, but on screen, you can't just have... Yeah, a wieldy voiceover like that. Otherwise, you're you know you're making the room all over again. Or... <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that is the other thing is like it, I can tell from parts of the original that we were talking about the 1990 version, uh, the character of Mike, like he, you see him kind of writing in a journal. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I could see that that being part of the book and incorporating that to kind of give you that introspection, to give you that little more, but he is about the only one that gets that except for all of them have flashbacks of course which again ties back to the book mm-hmm. but in terms but, of the reasoning for why they do certain exactly things, it's just it just happens and you're i mean there's a difference between trusting the audience and like not even giving the audience the key to the door i guess it, <laughs> right <laughs> Or, yeah. ra- or rather, giving the audience the the key to the door and and not telling them where anything in the house is, rather. But um, <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's difficult to pull off because of that fact. I think it's just his writing is so introspective and so character driven mm-hmm. that that it's tough to portray that on screen. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of those movies that, similar to another movie that I thought was super scary when I was a kid that I watched recently. Uh, People Under the Stairs. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That was one that I saw. Same kid, apparently, at this sleepover who loved torturing us with these scary movies. Man. Um, <laughs> well, because, again, he, he could. You know, like, my house, when people came over for sleepovers at my house, we watched Disney movies. So, well, you got that ba- one. I mean, Bambi is pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, but, like, so with People Under the Stairs, I remember watching it and being terrified because mm-hmm. most kids when you look under if anybody grew up in a house in the basement and here in the pacific northwest we have basements all over the place almost always under those stairs there's some sort of storage space or crawl space so people under the stairs that movie freaked me out just with the imagery and all of this watched it recently the movie is terrible yeah and not scary at all so same with this I was expecting to watch this and be like, all right, those same moments are going to get to me again, and I bet blah, blah, blah. Nope. No. Dumb. I am no longer afraid of white pedestal sinks. (laughs) (laughs) So I conquered my fear. Yes, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) Although I will still think about that scene in in my head. It will not paralyze me because it just, it took me watching it again (laughs) just to put the whole context together and be like no right just no <laughs> right right i got you so all right to so all of that uh leading into this new version of it 2017 2017 uh the i would say dark and gritty reboot but oddly enough this movie is legitimately funny in a lot of parts 
Yes, it is. Now, please tell me, was any of that in the books? Like, was the book funny? So the 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 humor is acquired i would say um the, okay. the like richie in the book as a character is legitimately funny and the, okay. the banter between them is is amusing at parts but and and we'll go into this one when, when we you know review it i'm assuming but the interplay between these mm-hmm. char- between these characters w- I can't think of anything other than to say it was it was a work of art. I mean, mm-hmm. the, their the dialogue and the, and how legitimate it felt as a, as a posse of young teenage boys and yep. just always ragging on each other, always giving each other crap, but they still love each other to death. It was mm-hmm. it was amazing, and and I'll tell you what, man. I I needed those moments between yeah some of the other stuff that happened in this that was on the other end of the spectrum. So, um, yes, that, that, um, but, but to your point, correct. Like there were parts I actually laughed out loud. I mean, yeah. like, like dumb and dumber, Tommy boy, super bad caliber laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, the kid who plays Eddie, I wish I could remember his name. You probably can look it up uh, on Jack you. Dylan Grazer. He better get an Oscar, <laughs> at least nomination or something, because he was great. He was phenomenal, <laughs> <laughs> and all of them were. But um, anyway, so I, I don't want to go, go too much more into that before we break it down a little bit more. But the the humor is there. It was really um, much more present uh, okay. in, in this version, I would say. And like I said, uh, frankly, needed at times. And that is the thing: is whenever you do a horror movie. And I have talked about this on episodes before. How important are those moments of levity to counterpoint the moments of terror? Mm-hmm. I am of the mindset where I do not really want jokes all the time. Okay. Um, a movie recently that really blew me away that I was not expecting to like as much as I did was Annabelle Creation. Yeah. Yeah, you were saying that. That movie legitimately is very scary Mm -hmm. (laughs) like there are scenes in it and the way that the tone shifts and the camera tilts like yeah one scene in particular and i brought it up on that episode there's a scene again under the stairs so it already made me kind of freaking out um (laughs) was there a sink under the stairs (laughs) oh hey do not mess with me come on now (laughs) that is just unnecessary (laughs) rude um so the girl a girl is under the stairs she looks behind after hearing some scratching and she sees the Annabelle doll. Mm-hmm. She then kind of freaks out, turns away slowly, is like trying to get someone's attention, hears more scratching, turns back. The doll is still there and slowly, like painfully slowly from the from behind the doll in the darkness, you see these eyes approach and then you suddenly see the doll get ripped back. Like, like that was terrifying. Ooh, um, and that movie, there were not really comedic moments there was levity mm-hmm. um but once it hit its stride it was just it was a scary movie this movie that tone was just kind of it was it was odd for me because it was so funny in parts that it was funny that it, it kind of almost made you forget what type of movie you were seeing okay so that that was interesting it was an interesting choice you know what I noticed in the the theater that I watched it in, um, and I have to say the crowd I saw it with 
And as mm-hmm. someone who goes to a lot of movies, I'm sure that you must uh, agree that the the crowd you see it with can often not make or break it, but definitely enhance or detract 100%. from the from the experience. I saw it with a great crowd. Awesome. I mean, I mean, they were awesome. There, nobody was talking or or doing anything or laughing at inappropriate moments. Mm-hmm. The, it, it it was like every time there was a jump scare, huge scream. Every time there was a really funny part, laughter everywhere. Everyone awesome. it was just it was like everybody was just on in sync with each other. It was awesome. So that made it really really fun because it mm-hmm. was like we were all ex- I mean we were having this experience together and there was this understanding that we needed to hit the release valve right a lot because there were these moments where we're just like oh my god he just came out of the the the, the doorway and and uh, I'm, my heart's going a million miles an hour. Oh, Eddie just told a really funny joke. I, I feel a little bit better now. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like they they really understood that. But but I will say, and I understand, I can, t- to your point, I can get how that would be perhaps a little bit off-putting and, and mm-hmm. a little bit weird because it's like, wait, what am I watching again? But yeah, but, but for me, honestly, 90% of that, th- those moments that that were genuinely funny i felt like it was staying true to character with who these kids were agreed i guess um and uh and that other thing nothing was forced it was it was authentic it came organically right right Mm -hmm. um there is a scene where eddie gets injured somehow i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna and right. one of his friends reaches over to offer aid and he screams at the top of his lungs, don't you effing touch me. Mm-hmm. I was screaming. I was laughing so hard because it fits. It's like, yeah, get away from me, man. In mm-hmm. this moment, I just I need a minute to mm-hmm. recover from what I just experienced. It just I think the moments that I actually laughed, it was because it made so much sense to me. Yeah, it's it was almost like like this thank you kind of moment Mm -hmm. somebody had to say it um but then there were there were a couple one or two and it wasn't very many for me where i was kind of like ah nah i would i would (laughs) have killed that one in on, Mm on the page i think um but like i said they were very very few and far between for the most part it just felt like this needed release valve for me because i was just like my shoulders were up around my ears and (laughs) Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Th- yeah. There were times with with Richie, uh, played by Finn Wolfhard, who everybody knows from Stranger Things. Mike. Yep. Like he. Oh no, he played Richie. Um, well, he he plays Mike in Stranger Things and plays Richie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah sorry. Yeah, there, that I was like, because there was a Mike in this. Yeah. That could get confusing. Um, so, he was crushing it. Like he was just boom. His time was great because boom. again, you get you get a group full of boys together that age. And now, mm-hmm. uh, your mom jokes are suddenly the funniest jokes in the world. Yes, you they know. Are. So just they're still the funniest it, jokes in the world, right? <laughs> and so just it felt it felt authentic, like you said. Um, the ensemble cast. This will never get nominated for for best ensemble. No, it won't. Um, but this deserves to be looked at because the interplay between them it all worked. Yes, there were a few lines that maybe were were a little bit clunky. A uh, few interactions that, again, maybe did not feel as authentic, perhaps only because there was so much, you know, synchronicity between some of the other moments that made it feel so real. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, there were a few that maybe did not fit as well. Right. I was I was telling my, my wife today um, uh, when we were driving, I, I said, you know, I, I wonder how many of these kids, and I'm sure it's this way for all of them. I wonder how many of them like actually became like really good friends through making yeah. this. Because, because it, it just, you cannot force chemistry like that. Mm-hmm. You, it, it has to work in real life. You have to really get along well with each other for, for that to work. And mm-hmm. that, that I, I really, really felt that with these kids. They were tremendous group yeah. of little actors. It was awesome. Even the the bullies in this, mm-hmm. like that kid is good and legitimately, I keep saying legitimately, that, that guy was significantly scarier than the version that we saw in the 1990 version. The, uh, he the was gr- more believable. Like, the greaser version? Just, yeah. Yeah. Well, because that is the thing that people should maybe, if they have not seen the original, the 1990 version and the book takes place in the 60s. This version takes place in the 80s. Right. So totally different tonal shift. But this bully in the 80s just was a sociopath. He, he absolutely was. Mm-hmm. Like that. It was uncomfortable, you know, in certain times when I was like, I really do not like this kid. And I worry about all of the characters on screen when he is also yeah. on screen. And that makes for a good villain, even though he is not the main villain. Obviously Pennywise is like that was, that was impressive. Yeah, no, he was good. Very, very solid. Uh, to the, to the titular villain, Pennywise oh, played man. by Bill Skarsgård. Um, so here in Seattle, uh, I'm fortunate to be part of the Seattle film critic society. Last year, when we were voting for our awards, we had a new category, which was Best Villain. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Bill Skarsgård currently, at least for my vote, is Best Villain of 2017. Holy Moses, you are not kidding. He was <laughs> great. He was a force of nature. I I, I mean, the, I, I haven't seen someone love their role that much, I don't think, honestly, <laughs> since, like... I, honestly, and and I'm, I'm I might get a little bit of for this, but I remember feeling the same way about Heath Ledger when mm-hmm. when I was watching him in Dark Knight. Like, okay, this guy is having a blast. Mm-hmm. He is just owning this, mm-hmm. and it's not like necessarily method acting where you disappear into the character or whatever. You're just having fun, yeah, and you know what you want, and you and you just execute it beautifully, and um. He, yeah, he was. I was very surprised at because I knew mm-hmm. I was gonna I was gonna be uh, be impressed by by just by like the little things I'd seen in trailers and stuff. I was like, okay, th- this guy will work for me, no question. I wasn't ready for how much I <laughs> really admired how well he did. I, I was yeah. very impressed. And that was the thing is from the first images, he already was kind of nailing. The look, even though it was a completely different look, he it just it works because mm-hmm. Bill Skarsgård, like uh, he was in Hemlock Grove um, recently, he was in Atomic Blonde for like a hot fifteen minutes, but he is this tall, lanky guy who can pull off some of just that weird imagery just with his stature. Right. So seeing that in the promotional posters a year ago, I was like, all right, he already looks super creepy. Yes. I wonder how it will translate. And within the first 10 minutes of this film, when he first is having that conversation with Georgie. Oh, God. 
That was terrifying because when you look back, Pennywise, like Tim Curry's Pennywise, is kind of up here and that, like he's just kind of over the top. Bill Skarsgård, his manner of speaking, oof. He was. I felt like he was a legitimate predator, like like a wolf. <laughs> Or a, mm-hmm. or a lion about to pounce. And may, may I tell you this really quickly, mm-hmm. because I don't want to forget the f- the opening scene of this movie mm-hmm. between him and Georgie. Mm-hmm. Truly, and I say this with absolutely not a speck of hyperbole, one of the scariest things, one of the scariest moments I have ever mm. seen in any horror movie or TV show Hands down, my chest was imploding. It was collapsing <laughs> in on itself. And I I looked over at one of my friends kind of slowly after it was done. Mm-hmm. And he went, uh, well, <laughs> that was an improvement from the original. <laughs> yeah. And, and then my other friend just goes, whoa. Like, he was, yeah. like, we just, it stunned us. I mean, I, I, and you could feel that throughout the theater. You could feel everybody's breath being sucked out in in that moment. It was legitimately, I I wasn't I was gearing up for it because you know it's coming because you've seen you know I've yep. seen the the miniseries I've read the book I know it's coming. I was not ready. I still wasn't mm-hmm. ready for how they 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 didn't just nail it. They they like triple nail it. I I, I can't even describe how effective it was. It was like yeah. nothing I've ever seen before. And I think so much of that has to do with. The performance, because first of all, I mean, from the technical side of things, lighting a scene like that. I mean, you have done some film work before I've been around like mm-hmm. that is tough when you have one character under another character in the dark, in the dark. Yeah, you have to be very aware of how to film that. And the way that Bill Skarsgård would kind of just turn his head slightly or start to look down mm-hmm. while looking back like, yeah, it was well, and you, have, and you have to be so deliberate um, in in the way that you frame things, and and how mm-hmm. and how you uh, uh, do the coloring after, and and how you uh, do the lighting and the shadows and stuff. And it, it felt like everything was so deliberate and and methodical, and and they mm-hmm. and it worked. It really worked. That scene. Yeah. That scene was. It, it was a tour de force. I I cannot. Just, I'm, I'm never going to stop talking about it. Just how yeah. how incredibly effective it was as a as a moment in a horror movie, and because you know we should definitely we have been making the comparisons, the nineteen ninety version made for TV, yes. So you know whatever you can't get away with much. Yeah, yeah. Uh this movie twenty seventeen this earns its hard R rating. I have that written in my notes. That exact phrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. yeah, it and. I think that it is really hard to scare people now. I, I, I yeah. in, in terms of movies, I think that people jump easily mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. In terms of actual chest emptying scares, mm-hmm. that's tough to do. Yeah, that's been tough to do for forever, but especially now because people have seen it all. Mm-hmm. This moment is in that rare echelon. I feel like mm-hmm. there are a couple of other moments in the film that, that are too. this one, especially though. I mean, what a stage setter. Yeah. And you talked about the, the mouth of Tim Curry yeah. with the sharp teeth. Um, uh, 
Yeah, this one, <laughs> this one, that this was present. <laughs> yeah, and it just, and again, that comes to a technical side of things where what they're able to do now with the budget. But oh man, like it was, yeah, it was just impressive, and that was only in the first ten minutes. Yes, yeah, no, it, um, like you said, it earned its hard R rating, and it really set the tone of everything else to come. It was mm-hmm. just like, yep. Uh, we're going to make something that is bonkers. So here you go. Yeah. And they absolutely did. Cause one thing that I thought about as soon as I finished the screening, um, I always bring up my phone. I write down some notes just right away. And then I go back to them. Mm-hmm. The first movie, and this is before I had rewatched, uh, the original, <laughs> this movie, the 2017 version is scary. What was, was very scary in my head at that time the original was terrifying so mm-hmm. in my head there was a difference between being scared and being terrified sure looking back on it we're going to talk about the 1990 version it is no longer terrifying it is just dumb and poorly <laughs> well poorly made it's very silly yes um so it kind of then made it switch where that original one is now kind of maybe scary but also kind of just dumb to now this one the more i thought about it i was like there were parts of this that were really scary, almost terrifying just because of the way it was filmed. And yes, it does rely on kind of the new generation trope of jump scares. There are a couple of those that almost, I, I want to say almost felt mm-hmm. cliched, but yeah. they worked in the moment that they were using them for. It wasn't, it, it didn't feel forced. It felt like, okay, we need one for this part to work. Yeah. You know? Um. Anyway. And yeah, and there, there are some moments, and th- this movie is is not perfect. I definitely want to get out that the, no, the no, CGI, and, and we, the and, CGI and I have and a, it, I have a few problems that I wanted to address too. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of my first problems is, I get it. This is a lower budget horror movie. The CGI in it just really took me out of a few different scenes. Okay. Um. That being said, I do like the different way that they portray the individual fears of all of the kids in this. Mm-hmm. That was just different. Um, so I really liked that. But tying into that, one of the kids' fears kind of of, of this painting. Stan. Ev- mm-hmm. Yeah, Stan. Every scene with the painting was just, uh, it, was, it was not great. You know what it felt like? It felt like something you would see in a video game, actually. Absolutely. That painting, yeah. it felt like some, It felt like a boss in like Silent Hill or mm-hmm. Last of Us or something like that. Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really what that, 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 that was the first thing that popped in my head. It was like, that looks like something you'd fight in Silent Hill. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. So that was just kind of one of, one of my little things, you know, that I kind of started to pull apart with this. Uh, but what is something of, of yours? Uh, just in terms of something that, that I had a problem with? Or, yes. Yeah. So the, the, there were two main things. Um, mm-hmm. toward the end and I, I'm not I can't go into details but there are two plot points mm-hmm. one involving Beverly okay and one involving Henry Bowers okay that are not resolved that are yeah. that that they do that they don't revisit and and they needed to I felt okay. Just just in terms of it of of the story being fully nicely packaged with a bow, like th- there were these two pretty critical things that happen, 
mm-hmm. where I feel like they, they and and we we talked about this earlier. It would have taken two sentences to do it. Yep, two. Um, and, and like I said, I I don't want to do the spoiler thing, but I think you know what I'm talking about. Just yeah, in terms, I, I absolutely do. Okay, yeah. so so the, those two things that that was what bothered me the most were were those two things okay. that they did not resolve. The other thing is, um, you were talking about the painting. Mm-hmm. Ben's incarnation of the thing that he is afraid of mm-hmm. was tiptoeing pretty close to goofy for me. Yeah. And but but then there is a part where it makes a switch from mm-hmm. fear to thing making the fear. And it worked for me. Did, oh, did, uh, did, the, the, the kind of tunnel it, we, in, in the books on, under the library. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. Um, there, it was, it was tiptoeing very, very close to goofy for me. I was like, um, the, this, mm-hmm. this is almost satirical. What, what the heck? And then it, and yeah. then it flips back to Pennywise. Um, yeah. literally, and, I mean, that, that, that was what I liked about that scene is like, it was that double blind yeah. where, you know, when you have one character, when you have a character, look at the thing like, ah, you know, like I was talking about it, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Look at the thing. Ah, scary. Look away. Look back at the thing. Ten times as scary. Right. You know, that, that second time. So I think that was what, you know, what mm-hmm. that shift was. Right. There was also one other thing um, involving a change that they make from the book to the movie. And it was really the only one that, that significantly bothered me. Okay. Um, Where they kind of turn Beverly into a bit of a damsel in distress almost okay and i and like i I, this is tough to tiptoe around these things you do this every week (laughs) yeah yeah. um and uh not so easy (laughs) it's 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 admirable that you do this um and i didn't like that i i thought that it was it was a little um it was that was the only part where that that i felt truly was cliche like there's that suddenly she's someone that they that the they have to go rescue if you will Mm -hmm. in in this one part um i just i didn't think that belonged because she because beverly was awesome i mean is awesome she's she's one Mm -hmm. of the i thought she was one of the best parts of the group and so that that felt kind of like dated a little bit weird i guess yeah Um, that makes sense but so so those were my main qualms with it i would say that that's that's my main list of grievances do do you have any others that that really bothered Uh, not really um, okay. one of the things I really liked is I kind of that scene that you're mentioning with Bev being the damsel in distress mm-hmm. in the original, when they talk about, Oh, you'll float down here, blah, blah. We are kind of led to maybe assume that he meant float on water because it is in the sewer or something. Right. This version of once you actually realize what he means by they all float down here was done incredibly well. What like that was something that like in my head because I do not remember, you know, how it was in the books or maybe I read it. That image of how it ends up being that everyone floats. The set was, piece. Yeah. That set piece was something else. Yeah. yeah. That was that was art. I mean, they they walk into that and it was just like okay, you you mm-hmm. guys you guys thought this through really really well. Yeah. K- kudos. Yeah. And and again, it made contextual set sense. A- absolutely, yes. Um, and then 
Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, oh, and for anybody listening to this who has read the book, like Ryan, uh, there's a specific scene in the book that will never be in any version of any TV adaptation or movie. Um, I think so, that's probably for the best. <laughs> absolutely. Stephen King is known for, in a lot of his books, to cross some boundaries when it comes to, uh, quote-unquote, relations. Um, yes. There, there's a scene in the book that is super weird. Oddly enough, it is one of his more romantic um, relations that happened, but it is not in this. So if anybody is wondering, you know, it yeah. is not. And I, it will, and, it will and never be. I was very glad for that. I, I was glad in, in the original and I was glad in this that they made that change because while I understand why it is in the story, you you, mm-hmm. you can do without it. You absolutely Absol- can. Yeah. And that, and that you know, if, if there's some purist out there that's like, well, bleh, you know, well, eh, I, you, you, you can. <laughs> you can do without it. It's it's. It's mm-hmm. un- it, it's beyond uncomfortable and strange and yeah mm-hmm. it just wouldn't fit. Yep, agreed. So so uh, that about wraps it up for it 2017. Yes. Uh, On to the rating system. So the rating system for this podcast: there are no stars, there are no letter grades. Why? Because that is too many options. And when I created this podcast, I wanted it to be as streamlined as possible. There you go. So. <laughs> Three choices. Whenever we grade movies, TV shows, video games, uh, comes down to good, bad, or ugly. Those are the only three choices. A good film in this case is something that you would recommend to a friend, something that you enjoyed watching in the theater. A bad is something that, you know, it just did not really hit with you. For whatever reason, you would not really recommend it to somebody, uh, but you do not regret being in the theater for that two hours. Right. An ugly, avoid at all costs. It just it was not worth it. It was not worth the however much time or money you put into it. So there you go. So the choices of good, bad, and ugly. May I, may I say one more quick thing? Ooh, j- j- yes. b- before we do the rating system, it'll be really, really quick. Those two uh, plot point uh, uh, shortfalls that I mm-hmm. mentioned earlier. Not... <laughs> shortfall. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not so specifically. Uh, but those can be easily addressed in this yes. sequel that they're going to do. They they can easily spend a couple of minutes and mm-hmm. run through those. Um, so not all is lost. So uh, anyway, yep. but on to that. So uh, what did you give it, sir? So uh, this movie, which again, I, I was anticipating. Um, I was looking forward to it, just kind of see what they did with it. I was not really expecting too much, um, even though I knew the cast, you know, so far it's going to be good. This blew me away. I mean, this really took me by surprise. I kind of love this movie, so I I have to give it a good. It it just it totally impressed me. That makes me very happy to hear that. And you know, it's it's so funny to to watch the the just Twitter, Facebook, whatever Mm -hmm. explode with people saying the same stuff. Like, I I mean, can you imagine being the guy, the, the filmmaker Andy Muschietti, I, I can't pronounce it. Yeah, Muschietti, it. something like that. Yeah, can mm-hmm. you imagine being that dude right now? This is like his first Oof. major deal, yeah. and and it's it's just exploding. So that that's yeah. I and to 
mine unless you have anything mm-hmm. else. I, no, I sort ahead. of cut you yeah. off. Yeah. No, no. Your official rating I, is. I definitely give it a good. Um, like I said, there are, there were a couple of plot things that went somewhat unresolved toward the end, but they can easily solve those. And even if they don't, the fact that this cast of kids, the mm-hmm. fact that this. Uh, the Pennywise actor, Bill Skarsgård, the fact that they were all so well cast, so good, that their chemistry flowed so well, that the the movie's use of music, their their use yeah. of, of mood lighting, the set pieces, um, it, it really cut well together. And there were, like you said, there were legitimately funny laugh out loud parts. It was, mm-hmm. it was awesome. And there were other parts. There was a part toward the end. I don't know if you, if you know what I'm talking about, but it was toward the very end that was actually really, really touching. It was actually, com- it, um, George has an epiphany. No, not George, excuse me. Bill has an epiphany about. Oh, yeah. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, mm-hmm. he, he, he sort of has this closure, if you will. And that, mo- I got, I, I've, I got a little misty eyed at that part. It, I, wow. I really, really did. And mm-hmm. so, so to go through so many types of emotions and all of them were legitimate and none of them felt forced. I have to give this a good, it, it it's, Fantastic. it's, it's probably one that I'm going to, to add to the, the Blu-ray 4k collection someday. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I want it. I, I want to watch it again already. It was very, very good. I enjoyed yep. myself immensely, even though the first 10 minutes is probably going to keep me up for the rest of my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. 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 I might have gotten over my fear of white pedestal sinks and things under the stairs. Sewer grates. No more sewers. And... Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um. So yeah, so two goods for it 2017. And the other thing I want to mention real quick. So as we are recording, it is on a Sunday. I have to give this movie a bunch of props because the budget for this movie was only $35 million. Get out! Really? As of, as of recording right now on Sunday, it has made over $117 million. Wow. This is quickly 35 becoming... $35 million? $35 million. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how you do that with a movie like this. Yeah. It was... And I think, I mean... That's unbelievable. For a horror movie, a lot of the budgets are going to be a little bit lower than normal. But for a movie like this, this is like now be this epic horror movie. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Major props. Then. Yeah. They've they've already made it back triple. Then. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. So good for them. Kudos. Crushing it at the box office. No doubt. And this is one that, I mean, it is September tenth. There is a lot of stuff coming out in the next couple of weeks, but this is going to be in theaters for a solid like three weeks. Mm-hmm. So it is going to make quite a bit of money. Good for them. It definitely deserves it. Yeah. yeah I mean, talk about high expectations and and and, yeah. cr- and crushing most, if not all of them. Good. Good job. Yeah. Wow. Cool. All right. So now we will do kind of a, a lightning round. All right. Uh, the next part of this episode is going to be us talking about our first uh, King adaptation that we saw, the best one that we have seen, and the worst one that we have seen. Some sort of clever title like King's Quest. <laughs> right, that, that, that was a stretch. <laughs> Team dad joke. Uh, this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> okay. So <laughs> Uh, you my could, target you, you might for... say that we're having a little too much Steve fun. Oh, King. oh gosh, nice. I should go. I'm sorry. I just I love how that my target audience for my team dad jokes <laughs> is is on this episode. So <laughs> that makes me feel good. Okay. Uh, well, yours was better than mine. Mine was sort of a uh, disaster. Totally fine. Anyway, go um, ahead. Okay, so I will start with the first Stephen King movie that that I saw. Okay. Uh, and we will just kind of just power through these. Uh, not spend too much time on them because these are all ones that if either they're not streaming, they're on TV at some point, usually. Yes. Um, so my first Stephen King adaptation was the 1984 <clears throat> movie Firestarter with Drew Barrymore. Very nice. So this was one that, again, I saw on TV and obviously like a few years down the road after it had come out. Uh, so the movie, the kind of loose premise, uh, two parents are subjected, not even subjected, they volunteer for some tests while they are in college. They get a hallucinogenic drug. They manifest powers. He becomes telepathic or she becomes telepathic. He becomes kind of a telekinetic. Uh, they have a child years later, Drew Barrymore. Mm -hmm. Turns out she has a pyrokinetic so she can start fires with her brain. Nice. Uh, they get chased by the government agency called The Shop. The Shop, yeah. Um, this is a weird one. Uh, I recently, when I was thinking about this, I was like, all right, let me let me watch it again. Bad idea. Um, <laughs> it doesn't it age just, well either? No. Uh, um, everybody is just trying so hard. And Drew Barrymore is a child actress. I get that that is difficult, but man, it was pretty painful Ooh. some of those scenes okay um let me see what else it's been a I... while for that one for me yeah it was just it was it was kind of it was an interesting idea i think with stephen king when you have written has to be close to what 80 books i think that's probably not far off i mean if you include Truly. that and what was his pen name R richard bachman or something uh yeah uh, yeah when he did road work and jared's right. game and stuff like that yeah so <laughs> He is very prolific, so you can have a lot of ideas. Sometimes translating those to the silver screen uh, just does not work. It's tough. Yep. So Firestarter was my first exposure to him, and I was like, all right, I kind of like this movie. Maybe it was because I was a boy who liked fire at that age. Uh, maybe Fair that enough. was a different problem altogether. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Firestarter, 1984. What was your first Stephen King exposure. Uh, Silver Bullet. I think this was. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> I, um. So yeah. Th and it's it's funny because because when you asked me uh, this question, it was like, oh man, I I do remember this one. I, mm -hmm. I um I think it was like eighty five when this came out. You you mm -hmm. have a, a Google later open so you can probably check. But I do. <clears throat> um. This uh, is based on a, a Stephen King. I wouldn't even call it novella. It's like a long short story called Cycle of the Werewolf. <laughs> So, sorry, what? A long short story? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Figure that one out. Um, <clears throat> 1985. So, I was right. So um, it's uh, it's basically about a werewolf that's terrorizing mm -hmm. this town. And I saw it at a friend's house at a sleepover um, back okay, in... Okay, did we just have terrible friends? I or guess. Like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, I, I told you my exorcist story uh, that, right? a long mm -hmm. time ago. So anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I remember watching it and it was like, I'd never heard of this before. And but mm -hmm. I was like, oh, Stephen King, that's cool. And I remember there was one scene in it where the person who actually is the werewolf has this dream and he's in a church and 
all of these people, parishioners, during this church service start turning into werewolves and just ripping each other to shreds. Eesh. And it's this like big horrific scene and there's this organ player and they're slamming their hands on the organ keys and blood's flying out. And it, it was, I remember it really kind of freaked me out, that that one yeah. scene. Um, and then the werewolf itself was pretty creepy. Um, yeah, so I, and honestly, it's probably, if I went back and watched it today, mm-hmm. it probably would have the same effect as you watching People Under the Stairs or something like that. Like, <laughs> right. I got freaked out by this. What the heck? But I do remember it being legitimately creepy at the time. And, okay. and, and like, I, I'd never seen a, like a werewolf movie that, that kind of got under my skin before. But um, mm. that, that one did a little bit. So, uh, yeah, Silver Bullet. And I actually have and have read Cycle of the Werewolf since then. It's almost kind of, it's it's kind of a... Like a graphic novel, almost like there there are pictures every three or four pages. Uh, like so, I would like the book then because yeah. it has pictures. Yeah, it, it's it's bizarre though. Like there are some bonkers parts. We talked about weird relationship scenes mm-hmm. earlier. This one has one of those. And uh, wait, in wolf form or human form? Uh, I think you can guess. <laughs> uh huh. So uh, yeah, but um, it's 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 not bad. It's 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 a quick okay. read, and uh, the the art is is amazing. Um, so yeah, Silver Bullet. That's mine. Nice. Yeah. Uh, moving right along to our best Stephen King adaptation, and again, this does not necessarily mean that this is the best beat for beat adaptation. This is just the best of his related projects. That, that we like the most. So right. how about you kick it off with the best one in your opinion? So, but for it, which I mm-hmm. just saw, we'll, that, that one's new. So we'll kind of, because that one is arguably working for, for the, the, wow. the, the metal right for the now. number one spot. It okay. is. Um, but, but I'll put that to the side um, and mm-hmm. I will, uh, I'm going to say Misery. Uh, starring, Good choice. Starring Kathy Bates and James Caan from 1990. Uh, it's a, mm-hmm. It is definitely a different kind of Stephen King story. Um, for for yeah. people who haven't seen it, it's about a writer named Paul Sheldon, and he. Which, not to cut you off, but mm-hmm. I really like that in Misery, he went in a different direction, and it was about a writer who maybe was from Maine. Yeah, hmm. this I was wonder, this was sarcasm. Wonder where he got this idea. <laughs> like, but <laughs> that has to be like Stephen King's nepotism. <laughs> yeah, well, well, just the Dark Tower books are are he he mean he writes himself into certain scenes in that like actually himself like Stephen I, King like, as a character. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. Okay. And it, it, sorry, proceed. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so it's about a writer named Paul Sheldon, and he has a very successful uh, romance series called. Uh, uh, it's just centered around a, a character. I think her name is Misery Chastain, I, I want to okay. guess. So it's it's definitely Misery is her first name. A um, little bit of symbolism for you there. And mm-hmm. uh, he has just completed his latest, um, and he's n- not really happy with uh, doing it anymore. Um, not really a fan of writing the books. He's kind of just writing to get paid now as opposed to writing because he was a writer and loved the craft and stuff like that. Mm. Another t- parallel, perhaps? Yeah, I, I, I wonder. <laughs> and uh, so he's taken... Uh, yeah, writing this story must have been really cathartic for him. So um, mm-hmm. he's, he's taking the manuscript uh, to his publisher after finishing it in this uh, little cabin. And he crashes his car and his legs get really badly crushed. Mm-hmm. And enter Miss Annie Wilkes to the rescue. And uh, it is a woman who is a nurse and she lives out in the middle of nowhere. And she basically mm-hmm. pulls him to... It is Annie Wilkes, right? 
It's definitely Annie something. Uh, something like that, yeah. Okay. And uh, she pulls him to safety and starts nursing back to health. And it becomes more and more apparent over time. Well, she she first reveals that she's a big his number one fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't believe you're here. I've read all your books. And it slowly starts to unwind over time that she has uh, taken a few too many crazy pills and yep. perhaps needs to cut back a little bit, but it's too late. And uh, just how he being trapped in this place uh, deals with that because of the fact that he j- can't just run away because his legs are shattered. Um, and it is right. a really good uh, psychological um, suspense story. I would not necessarily call it a horror story. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would call it, a, yeah, I would call it a suspense story more than anything else. Though there are moments that, uh, one moment in particular, that make you wince so much. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, some some pretty intense uh, violent scenes in it. But it's the reason that I think it works so well is that it... Um, they, these two uh, actors worked really, really well together. I thought that, I think right. Kathy Bates won an Oscar, didn't she? She at least got nominated. Uh, I think she was nominated. I'm okay. not sure if she won for that one. Okay, so she at least got nominated uh, and and deservedly so. She was tremendous. And then- um, Oh no, she did. Yeah, Best oh, Actress, did she 1991. Win? Okay, yeah. awesome. So, um, and, and she was awesome. And then uh, James Caan was, was really, really great too. Right. Um, I thought that they both were really well cast. And the- the thing that was cool about it is you have a very small canvas to work on, right? Mm-hmm. So as opposed to something like The Stand, where you're kind of globetrotting right. mm-hmm. in some respects, or It, even, where you're going all over town and underneath the town and stuff like that. This takes place in a house, and frankly, most of that is in one room. A room. Mm-hmm. And it's really, really interesting because you really get the... Um, cabin fever that he's got the the mm-hmm. the psychosis that's starting to build perhaps with him, um, and he's trying to be clever and escape. And uh, I don't know if this if this movie or book could have been written today because of modern technology, Interesting. cell phones and stuff oh, like that. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, nine one one. I'm I'm good to go. But with this, you know, she's living out in the middle of nowhere. There's there's no mm-hmm. phone. There was just a huge snowstorm and stuff like that. So just the idea of being trapped in such a mm-hmm. small space is is terrifying. I mean, it, it's kind of like that that nightmare you wake up in a coffin, but Ugh. but just a, you get a little bit more space, right? Yeah. And you are at the mercy of this person who wants to kill you, but they also mm-hmm. are the only person who can save you. It's just mm-hmm. like, whoa. Yeah, so that, um, I, I still love that movie to this day. Um, I, I will watch it again anytime. It's it's a great one. Definitely my great favorite. Pull. Great pull. Uh, as for that isolation, um, these days that can still happen. I know that from experience. I have oh. family in West Virginia. Uh, <laughs> Say no more. In West, <laughs> in West Virginia, I literally had to walk a mile to get to the internet. Really? Yep. Because I had to walk to the college uh, to be able to go to the library where they had Wi-Fi. So the internet was a mile away. (laughs) That is so foreign. Yeah, uh, pretty crazy. But yeah, great pull, Misery. That was the first movie I remember watching when I was younger that made me realize if you are running from somebody or something and you hit them once... With whatever object you have, he happened to have a typewriter in this case, he hits her once and then tries to leave. 
No, you keep hitting and t- like double tap. Come on now, we learned that from Zombie Land. Yes, we did. But before that, you just why why take the chance? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you knock somebody out, cool. Mm, yeah. In in in, sure. in this case, go for the kill shot. Yeah. No, I I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. So my my best uh, Stephen King project, I will say, is another one that is uh, along those lines where it is not horror. Minus the Shawshank Redemption. Phenomenal. That movie, and this was one that I did not even know it was a Stephen King project until later. I think a lot of people didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has written a few, or not a few, well, yeah, I guess a few non-horror but critically acclaimed stories Mm -hmm. that, again, people, there are no elements of quote-unquote Stephen King-ness in this movie. Right. There are no horror elements. There are no you know scary things this is about a man who was wrongfully convicted who then was sentenced to two life sentences consecutive life sentences in prison once he gets there of course he starts he goes through some horrible (laughs) experiences uh but then he you know makes his best friend or makes a friend who becomes his best friend and it just this story of perseverance is is incredible and i will say that i think this is the best full cast of any of the king movies at least that came to mind oh yeah i mean it's definitely an ensemble in terms of how many big names you got in there and awesome Mm -hmm. performances too for sure incredible performances the way it was shot uh let me pull up who directed it because yeah it was just frank darabont oh of course of course um Actually, I think he did Firestarter too. <laughs> oh, did he? Uh, I know that. I mean, Frank Darabont has done a He's, ton. He did. Of stuff. Uh, he did Shawshank, and then he did Green Mile, and then he did The Mist. And uh, those are the only King ones that I know that he's done. Let me see. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he did Shawshank and and Green Mile, The Mist. That was the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which <laughs> we have already talked. Go back to episode twenty three to hear Ryan <laughs> talk about The Mist. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Shawshank Redemption, this is one where, same thing, it is on TV at least once a day Yes, on some channel. <laughs> yeah, it's weird if it's not, almost. Right. And so flipping through, if I stop on it or if I see it on the guide and it is maybe halfway through, I'm probably going to watch it. Nice. Just incredible movie. So that was my best. Uh, two, the worst King <laughs> adaptation or King project. What is yours, Mr. File? Oh, boy. You know, um... This was kind of a toss-up, but I eventually went with what we've already talked about, uh, The Mist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the Mist. <laughs> the, the, so the reason being is that this is one of those things, to, to use a, a term that gets tossed around a lot, mm-hmm. wasted potential. Mm-hmm. Um, it had all of the pieces, and the, the main beef with I, that I have with this movie... And maybe maybe this isn't necessarily fair. I, I might need to go back and watch it again to give it another shot. Okay. But, but the main beef that I have with this movie is literally the last five minutes. Mm-hmm. I hate this ending so much. I hate it. And the funny thing about it is, is that Stephen King himself mm-hmm. likes the ending better than what he had originally written in the, so the novella, which is nuts to me um, because... <laughs> It, it 
you talk about tonal shift. I mean, mm-hmm. the mist as a novella is about is about persevering and 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 mm-hmm. hope and and all of the and sort sort of some of the same things that you were talking about with Shawshank. This one flips it. I mean, yeah. holy moly! I, I <laughs> my sister in law she saw it with me and and my then girlfriend now wife we all saw it together mm-hmm. and uh, she still makes fun of me for how pissed off I was after mm-hmm. that movie. I was like, no, no, that was that was an abomination. It just I mean, I was mad and mm-hmm. I still I'm just like, how do people? And and the the thing that maybe ne- isn't necessarily fair about it is that. There are actually a lot of people that like it. Yeah. There are a good amount of people that that mm-hmm. really thought it was well done. And I will say that there were moments in this that that were pretty okay. Um I love Tom Jane. I think he he was he was great mm-hmm. for for the main guy. Can't remember his name. Um but uh I thought he was awesome. I thought his kid was great. Um there mm-hmm. were there were a couple of other people. Uh Jeffrey DeMunn is is he the guy that works? He he. Uh, um, I feel like he is in every Frank Darabont movie. Oh, quite possibly. <laughs> yeah, and he was also in um, the Walking Dead first season, which Frank Darabont directed a few episodes of those too. Right. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's Jeffrey Demon. Um, <clears throat> he was in he was in that too, and he was really great. And uh, yes, he played Dan Miller. Okay, so there there were some good solid performances in it. There was some goofy CGI stuff in it. Yeah, that, but it was but it wasn't like a game changer for me, right? In a bad way. It was it was that ending, man. I just I I, I it changes everything, and mm-hmm. and in in a way that just left me feeling really sad. And I mean, if if that's what you're going for, like, dude, mission accomplished. But I yeah, I I want to I want to feel a little something. Beyond, satisfaction be, beyond sorrow at, at, yeah. the, at the end of something so um anyway that that's yeah. it for me and and like the, i the said <laughs> like i said maybe that's not fair but it's it just does not work for me well have you watched any of the new tv show no i haven't i okay. heard it's i heard it's okay i heard it's that, that is what i have heard so far yeah we will see we will see yeah um and we should also mention that stephen king because he is such a prolific writer and because he has a million projects, he has not liked quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. So he went on record as saying The Shining. <clears throat> he hates The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about Firestarter, that he, he thinks that is one of the worst adaptations. Oh, wow. Um, so he is very vocal. Uh, burn. No wow, really? pun intended. <laughs> Um, I'm going to so give yeah. myself a point for that one. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. So now on to, to my worst, which is 1996, Thinner. Oh, okay. This movie is terrible. I oh, think, my gosh. I think, honestly, dude, I think I started watching this and couldn't finish it now that I yeah. think about it. But please... Tell me, oh. tell me your qualms. <laughs> oh, great. You have the talking stick. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, it takes place. There's this uh, lawyer who is significantly <clears throat> overweight in terrible makeup in a terrible fat suit. Uh, and he is, is going on a drive and again comes down to quote unquote relations. Uh, his wife or girlfriend, I can't remember, wants to cheer him up while they are driving and so she attempts to cheer him up while he is driving um 
Does she get and a, he, like a milkshake at a drive-thru or something? Or uh, Yeah, yeah. That, that, that was it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so while that is going on, uh, he runs over someone. He runs over this old woman uh, who, of course, is the, the, the stereotypical Eastern European gypsy woman, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, runs over. But since he is a high powered lawyer, the judge it gives him leniency and nothing really happens. Then this old guy curses him that no matter what he eats, he, you know, basically it will not do anything. So he just keeps losing weight and they think it is cancer at first and blah, blah, like this movie drags on and this was not a made for tv movie mm-hmm. but it felt worse than a made for tv movie oh boy okay <laughs> the performances are terrible it is like maybe an hour and a half long and that is maybe 30 minutes too long mm. um it kind of maybe ends up with the old guy who cursed him possessing that guy's body but he has already lost the weight, but he looks good now. So it is like, wait, what? Hmm. Like, it, uh, and he also kind of makes out with a corpse in the movie. And it just like, it, it was just weird. But as I'm watching this and it has one of those endings that was a total, like if it had been a freeze frame 80s TV show, it would be that. <laughs> uh, the ending scene of this movie where, spoiler alert, do not see this movie. Spoiler alert. So the the old man possesses the lawyer and makes his wife or girlfriend eat this pie that then kills her and turns her into this like rotted thing that he ends up like kissing. Uh, I wish you guys could see my face right now. (laughs) Right. But then her lover comes to the door and he was like, oh, come in for some of this breakfast pie. Do you want some? Like super creepy. As he gets in, you see that lawyer guy kind of almost look to the camera and be like, uh, enjoy white man doctor as like the door shuts and credits roll. Oh, and it was like, wait, gosh. what? Like this whole movie was just a mess. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> so easily that is in my opinion, the worst King adaptation. Cause it was just a terrible movie. I have no idea what the story like if the book was any better, or I think this is one of his novellas. Yeah, but it just like it was just awful. I think you win, man. That description sounds wretched. <laughs> wow. Yeah, pretty crazy. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, so yeah, so so there we were, or there there we were, <laughs> there we were, there we watching were. these movies. <laughs> uh, there we have it. Uh, we talked about the original it nineteen ninety. We talked about the new version of it twenty seventeen, and also gave <clears> our. First best and worst King adaptations. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, to summarize, we both gave the new version of it a good go see this movie. Mm-hmm. If you are a fan of scary movies, if you are a fan of ensemble pieces, go see this movie. Yes. So, uh, yeah. Do you have, do you have any uh, parting uh Parting words, anything, any new projects coming up? I know that all of Oregon is on fire right now, which is keeping you busy. Yeah, it's pretty um, crazy. I feel like I've written about nothing but fire and smoke for the last three weeks. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Like, I felt kind of bad because I had Damien on last week's episode. <laughs> like, he literally is running his house on generator power because they were flooding or they were flooding in Houston. I was like, so are we, are we going to do this podcast today? And he was like, 
Sh- sure. And I was like, cool. All right. Call you at 2 o'clock. Because here in the Pacific Northwest, it is great. So I kind of felt bad about that. Sorry, Damien. I know you listen. Um, so last week, it was flooding. This week, talking to Ryan, who lives in Oregon, which the whole state is on fire. Pretty much. Yeah. So, yeah. And it, it's been uh, it's been quite insane, actually. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, I think uh, Knockwood, things are mm-hmm. starting to get a tad in the other direction so i'll just i'll leave it at that because i don't want to jinx it because boy the smoke is the smoke is rough yeah we had a couple of rough days here in seattle but it was just like two days and it was really bad and then like all of my friends on oregon they're like oh really seattle you think it's bad they took pictures of outside you cannot see more than 100 yards it like, looks like the mist except the ending hopefully will be okay <laughs> right without the lovecraftian monsters hopefully <laughs> that's right <laughs> excellent and then you have also been playing uh some new tabletop games right yeah yeah i've been uh, really into tiny epic galaxies lately actually mm-hmm. at your recommendation solely and uh i am forever a terraforming mars disciple too gotta check those <laughs> out gotta check them out amazing nice. stuff yep cool and then where can people find you on social media so they can tell you that they agree and or disagree and or hate all of your uh, movie recommendations? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on uh, Twitter. It's just at Ryan File. Uh, last name is spelled P-F-E-I-L. It's German mm-hmm. for arrow, if that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there you go. For all of our German listeners. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so I'm there. Nice. Sounds good. As for this podcast, you can find the podcast, like I mentioned at the top of the show, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. Make sure to subscribe on all of the podcasting platforms, Google Play, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Blueberry. Just find one. Uh, I'm on there. Uh, You can also email the show at about to review at gmail.com. Go to the website about to review.com. Click the support tab. Pitching a dollar helps keep the lights on in the studio uh yeah so that about wraps it up thank you ryan for for taking the time to do this in the midst of your state being on fire oh yeah man thanks for having me this was fun (laughs) excellent so for this episode i have been your host as always that guy named john and i've been ryan file (laughs) as i point to ryan and he misses his cue come on ryan (laughs) take two (laughs) (sighs) all right fine take two even though i'm keeping the first one in I have been your host, as always, that guy named John. And I've been Ryan File. And we will see you next time. (laughs) Maybe not me. (laughs) This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media.